Yo, what's happening, guys? I wanted to sit down and do a solo podcast. I wanted to to recap a couple of my latest hunts. Um, it's just been a an absolute epic season, and and these last couple hunts, these November rutting mule deer hunts, have been um, crazy cool. And so I just wanted to to highlight those and talk about the, some things that I got right, uh, some things I got wrong, and um, things that I learned along the way, and uh, plans for the future. And um, man, it's just a it's a crazy game we get to play this this backcountry bow hunting, and I I just um, I absolutely love it so much. Uh, it's so challenging, it's so difficult, and uh, these last couple hunts highlight that. So we'll get right into it. I just want to thank one of my sponsors. I want to thank Matthews Bows. So Matthews just came out with their brand new bow. Uh, it's the V3X. Um, what a shooter! This thing is crazy. Um, man, I, I pulled it out of the box and set it up and, uh, just had a quick setup. I think I've only had a few days with it. Um, it's already a shooter. I thought about taking it on my last backcountry hunt, but, uh, with just a couple days with it, uh, as good as it was shooting, uh, you know, I just don't have enough time with it to make sure that everything's absolutely dialed, uh, for the hunt, but it will be coming with me on my next hunt. What a shooter. I'm just so impressed with how that thing holds on target. Uh, tunability, I uh, had it tuned within about five shots, <laughs> which is crazy. Uh, put the sight on there. I'm getting um, crazy performance out of it, and uh, I'm just so impressed how they're able to improve these models each and every year, and this is an improvement on last year's bow, which is crazy. Uh, I did go with the 29-inch this year. Uh, just going to get more performance out of that uh, cam system than I am the longer bow. Usually, I go the longer axle-to-axle, but already shooting it. I'm so impressed with the way this thing is shooting. It was well designed. I'm going to get the most out of it. And, um, man, this thing's going to be a shooter. They got some awesome new colors. So I got, uh, gosh, what's that color called? Um, it's like a, like a tan color, really cool, solid color. Uh, so super pumped with that. And, um, yeah, I have it set up and shooting and will be coming with me on the next hunt and, uh, definitely going to harvest some animals with this one. Uh, so if you're in the market for a new bow, make sure to check out these Matthews super impressed by them. Uh, they just have been doing right by me the, the last handful of years and, um, yeah, super impressed at, at, uh, what they've come up with. So, uh, check them out at Matthews. And with that, let's get into this podcast. All right, man, action packed. Um, just had some crazy hunts here in November. So uh, I had a tag in my home state here in Montana that a lot of work responsibilities and things. And so pretty much a weekend warrior and then able to add like a Friday or a Monday to it and make a three day weekend out of it. So uh, first trip I did, I did with my buddy uh, Dylan Ness. Guy's just, uh, he's been on the podcast before, an absolute killer. I really like that guy. And so uh, we went on a backpacking mission and um, went back into one of these spots that I know that's really good pre rut staging for the rut. And um, went back in there, and um, it's just crazy cool to like. uh, 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 push the limits uh, of what we're capable of, you know, and, and what we think is possible. And so this is like a prairie badlands hunt. And, um, we go way back into this area and, and, uh, backpack in there. And, um, you know, we didn't see a lot going in, but we finally started to get to the spot where these bucks are bachelor herded up. And we turned up a, a herd of bucks back there, bachelor herd and um no shooters in that bachelor herd and got back into another one of our spots and and this is just like that early pre-rut and it's um 
the places where these bucks can can live um, undetected. And it's wild, like before the rut, how well mule deer bucks hide, you know, and it's the toughest time of year to hunt them, like in that October, uh, because they do hide so well. Uh, they tighten up their program, show themselves less during daylight hours, shed their velvet, uh, stick to more cover. And um, they're, they're just... Um, they're really tough to find. You you may have to look over a hundred canyons, and those bucks bucks are all together, and they may be in just one of those hundred canyons. Uh, so you really got to cover country, be diligent behind the glass, checking those canyons, and you look over a lot of empty canyons. the The bucks aren't rolling country yet, uh, so they're not moving solo, and they're not spread out throughout the landscape. They're just living in one area. It's actually a really good time to kill a buck if you can find him with a bow and arrow. Because usually they're just in a pattern of, of feeding and bedding. And um, so you can make plays. It's not as chaotic or it, uh, it's not as much chaos or they're not moving all the time. Like the blessing and the curse of the rut is the movement. So it's the blessing because you see a lot of bucks and you see them moving. It's the curse because they never stop moving to get a shot or to catch up to. Uh, but it's super fun. It's like one of my favorite times of year and, and one of my favorite hunts for mule deer. Like I love that early season game, but man, do I love that rut game. And and the big boys come out and they make mistakes. But anyways, we're pre-rut. We head into this spot. And I think I told you guys this story. So uh, if it's a repeat, I uh, apologize. Um, but uh, we went in there, found a couple shooter box and... Um, there was two really nice four points that were deep fork, good heavy horned four points, and they were older, more mature deer. And um, so me and Dylan kind of hemmed and hawed who was going to make the stock. And so we were trying to film it for episode of Eastman's. So Dylan gave me the stock on him, which was really nice. Uh, I owe him a stock. I think I paid him back on this last hunt and uh, gave him a good spot and uh, got him a couple good stocks. But anyways, he gave me the stock, which was super nice. And it it's just... um so nice to hunt like my group of buddies um they're the best man i've got a couple real close friends and and uh, a handful of guys that i hunt with but these couple real close friends you know you want a hunting partner that pulls for your success as much as their own and uh, it's a team mentality and and really enjoy company and and share all information too it's amazing how much more information you can gather in a camp like I love hunting solo but I'm just one guy out there glassing and when you have two guys that share a camp or three guys that share a camp and they're good quality hunters you know you spread out in different directions and grab different vantage points and then when one guy finds them you know you you're um uh, you, you get that intel of where those bucks are hanging and maybe he brings you in the next day and you get a play or he kills one and then um, shares the the information and, and then you get one. And, and um, my buddies are constantly exploring new country and sharing information. And um, I just have a, a real good circle of friends that I really appreciate and enjoy. And uh, they're great bow hunters. So anyways, Dylan gave me the stock and... Um, we made a play on these two bucks that were hanging together. It was just a perfect stock, too. And uh, so this is that that one. I think I told you guys about it. So came around the ridge. Took us about 45 minutes to an hour to make it around these bedded bucks. And came to this bench. Really um, marked my waypoints good. Uh, it's so imperative, like, as we talk about spotting and stocking. You know, it always looks different when you get there. And so really taking good mental notes. And, and these are all the things, like, to be a consistently successful bow hunter. Like, 
especially, you know, it highlights it, these, these mule deer hunts I've had where I've been hunting so hard in November, you know, I pick up on the, the things that I get wrong and, and when a stock blows up, you know, what I did wrong, what I can learn from it, how I can become a, a better hunter. But one of those things is really taking good landmarks and notes when I'm going to make a stock. And, um, so really knowing where I'm at and where that buck's at and where I have to get. And sometimes you have to adapt the stock because the bucks move or they get up or you get to a spot and you don't find them. I had that happen the other day and uh, kept kind of pushing through the meadow. And then all of a sudden I find that buck rut in the doe and, you know, he was just uh, uh, over the next ledge or whatever. But I kept believing he was there and kept stalking in. But uh, making good mark of landmarks, taking a picture of the hillside, um, drawing on Onyx and putting a pin where I think the bucks are, where the spot is I want to sneak, you know, all these references so I don't get over there and I'm lost. And it's a, it's a huge deal. We work so hard to earn these stocks. I mean, I don't know how many miles we had to, in, to earn in this stock, but probably pushing 15, 20 miles of rolling country just to earn this opportunity at these mature bucks. And so when you get these opportunities, you just... Um, you, you, you want to be at your best and you want to capitalize and you, you just don't want to screw it up with any stupid mistakes. You know, you've worked so hard to create this opportunity that you want to get it right. And knowing where that buck's at and where you're stalking to is a huge part of that. So mark good landmarks. We work down to the bench and uh, again, it's just tough when you're trying to move two guys into range versus one. And um, but but Dylan followed me, made, you know, uh, less sound than I did moving in. We were totally quiet. We had good wind noise. And it just amazes me like how good these deer can hear. Like even with wind and I held up my, my mouth to Dylan. So we got in there. I saw the buck's horns and I could just see his horns. I thought I was going to be able to shoot him in his bed. Uh, but I just, all I could see was his horns because of the the rise in the hillside that went over. And he wasn't that far. I think it's like 35 yards, something like that. And, um, so we're just trying to get set up and in position and trying to make sure Dylan has him. And I just whispered to him, he's in between the two trees. And um, that buck, all of a sudden, I look back and his horns were looking forward. And now they're looking right at me. And so now it's like going to happen, right? You know, like he knows the gig's up. He heard me whisper. And um, it, it's just, you know, and a lot of times I've, I've got away with whispers in bow range, but I guess 35 yards, even with that wind, that deer picked up that, that, uh, that whisper. And um, it, all of a sudden his horns are looking at me and um, it isn't but 30 seconds later, he stands up, doesn't even give me a chance. I try to draw as he stands up and he bolted out of there. And um, so the way it goes with mule deer, I got, um, and, and it's, Man, like like patience is such a virtue. And I know like I talk about patience kills the buck. It's so true. They just pick up on movement so well, on noise so well. Like the other day, I mean, I sat 40 minutes on this buck that I wanted to shoot. And there was like 12 or 15 does and two satellite bucks. And man, even setting my hand down in the grass, like any little rustling, any little noise, and I could watch those does pick up their head and look at me. And I couldn't even move around the tree to try to get a shot at this buck for 40 minutes because these does would just pick up on every little sound, every micro sound, every movement. And on these mule deer, you know, on these animals, they just don't put up with, with any movement either. Like trying to stalk them in the open, even if you get a tree in between you and them, they can still just catch you in between the branches. You know, so it's really about using the ungulation and catching these deer in the right spots and being super patient when you find a buck that you want to kill. 
and uh, trying to close in. It doesn't always work, but uh, for me, that's the the recipe for success. But anyways, I blew up those couple bucks and whispering to Dylan. And uh, but we just had a riot. We covered some more miles. We didn't turn up any other shooter bucks, but I think we had seen. You know, we probably saw fifteen twenty bucks for the trip or something like that, and and passed some decent bucks. Those two were ones that we wanted to shoot. So. Um, we, we finished up that hunt, had to head home back to work, uh, back to responsibility, get some things done. And, and sure enough, you know, I'm out like, uh, we had to, I had to run around that week quite a bit and then back the next weekend. And so we're talking, you know, like, like hunting season is short, November short, and I got a lot of responsibility, but I mean, to, to drive out there where I did and, to to hike in there, do the three days, drive home, uh, drove home at night or whatever. Let's see, do we have, um, oh yeah, that was, uh, that was that trip. Uh, I don't, I, I swear I told you guys this. I'm sorry if I already did a solo episode on this, but I'll, I'll get into some new hunting. I promise. But we, uh, we cowboyed out. It's so light. You bring the bivy sack and, um, sleep out underneath the stars, especially when I have a good weather report. But that last night it rained on us for like five, six hours. And my bivy sack's about 20 years old. And, um, I had waterproofed it with some spray or whatever. And, uh, it did not waterproof it. (laughs) It was, uh, it was pretty damp that night, but we survived, uh, had to make fire in the middle of the night, dry out, try to take cover under the trees. And, um, you know, sometimes you pay the price for cowboying out. It's like a really lightweight, efficient way to go. Cause I like being able to be mobile. I like, uh, and that goes for like, whether I'm in a truck or whether, um, you know, I'm backpacking, I like to be mobile. And so that allows us to pack up our camp each night, have it in our backpacks and then just camp wherever we end up, which is really nice. And I like rolling that system in a truck too. Um, you know, sleeping out and I've got that topper on my truck, which is really nice. I can throw a little heater back there and sleep back there. That works well. Uh, as it gets into the deeper winter time, you do need a warmer camp, but I can set up that teepee and run the stove in that and then just pick it up. And then it's in my truck because, uh, these trucks are such an asset for us. Like, uh, to be able to travel country, to be able to travel 10 miles down the range or 12 miles down the range and relocate and hunt a different spot and not have to come back to that base camp. But there, there is a time and a place for a good base camp, a good wall camp, uh, wall tent camp, uh, which is what we just ran on this last trip. Uh, cause I had my buddy Dan and my buddy Dylan, and then I had a cameraman. So four of us total, uh, and we ran a warm camp. And uh, we did end up picking it up a little bit early and moving camp, and I'll get into that. But um, basically being mobile, so advantageous, whether you're hunting elk or deer, just to be able to travel around, not have to travel back to a base camp and uh, move around and, and really find the animals and then hone in on them and hunt them. Uh, so we were mobile. We were running that cowboy camp. We paid for it there uh, that one night, but that's just the way it goes. Um, you know, I should have just brought my bivy tent. I've got this six moon, uh, lunar design bivy tent and there's a bunch of good companies that make them. Stone Glacier's got one I'm going to try out. Um, but, uh, these bivy tents are super light and easy to set up, easy to pick up. And so my bivy tents a pound and a half. So what am I really saving, you know, cowboying out or bringing a bivy sack, but we had good weather. I thought I'd be okay, but we paid the price that, uh, that trip. So come home, get some responsibility done, and then head back out and um, had this young cameraman that's a go-getter. I've used him before. He's working for Eastman's. His name's Josiah, just a young kid, and um, uh, he just, uh, he's got a good attitude and uh, will go anywhere and do anything, and um, uh, he's also got hunting experience. He's good at stalking and 
Um, yeah, I really like the kid. He's doing great. Um, so he came with me the next weekend. We went, me and him, and uh, just another quick trip. And so we backpacked way back into a spot and um, looking for good bucks. And sure enough, found a big tall one. Um, they were uh, it, like a little bit more rutting action. And by a little bit, I mean the bucks were starting to travel solo and travel through country, starting to look for does. Not every group of does had a buck, but one in 10 or, you know, one in eight groups had a buck in them. And uh, so just starting to rut beginning of November. And uh, we roll back and we find a, a big, heavy, tall one until it's an older deer and uh, tall back forks or um, G2s and, and, um, and uh, just a, a good buck that I'd be happy with. And um, so on this buck, watched him, and he was kind of in the open. And so we just kind of tailed him, like like kind of like I'd hunt an elk, like where he kind of coyote him back to their beds. And I lost sight of him as he kind of went back to find a bed. And so we worked the, the backside of this ridge, and then I'd just pop up over this ridge. And I've talked about that ridgeline assault, like how important it is coming over a ridge like it's imperative that you catch those animals before they catch you and so it's really slow coming up over the ridge and you you take a step and then you glass everything in front of you take another step and every step exposes more of that country but uh you know it's key to like not just rush over the top where you can glass everything like you really coming over any ridge line where you think there's deer you just want to expose a little bit glass it with your binos expose a little bit more glass it with your binos like uh like like really pick that country apart and see those deer before they see you so that's what i was doing and i'd pop over the ridge line and i'm trying to catch this this buck that went back to his bed or so i think he went back to his bed so i'm trying to catch him back in there and and um he's running with a couple other bucks still um running with another four point and then a three point with a sticker. I actually didn't know he was running with that three point with the sticker until I popped over the ridge and saw him bedded there. He had a sticker, nice three point, but that four point was better and a touch older. So I was really looking to kill him. So I backed back over the ridge and I went down another 30, 40 yards, 50 yards, and then pop over the top. And sure enough, I pop over the top in this spot and um, I see that big, heavy, tall four point and he's bedded there and he's bedded and he's looking away from me. And um, so uh, right then and there, like, uh, I'm going to try to kill this buck. And so I get Josiah up there, get him all set up with the camera. So he's on the buck. And, and then I start coming over the top. And the problem is, is I've got a sagebrush that's kind of covering his vitals. But there's a window through the, the two pieces of sage right where I want to put my arrow, right behind that front shoulder. And um, so I tell him, here we go. And that buck was... Um, it was like 55 yards or somewhere right in there, downhill off this this sand hill cliff, you know, so it was a pretty good uh, steep uh, angle down to him. And um, right as I'm trying to get set up in there, I see one of the other bucks that he's running with, the four-point, is looking in our direction. So I give Josiah, I said, hey, he's looking up our way, like it's now or never, and um, draw back and just settle in a perfect shot on that buck. Pin settles, execute. And um, put a perfect arrow on that buck. He ran away. I knew he was a dead buck running. And um, he did make it out of sight. Too proud to die in sight, but uh, didn't make it too far. Um, so we went down, you know, gave him some time, went down there. I think we went up and caught a little lunch. We hadn't eaten all day. We'd been pushing hard. And 
caught a little lunch and then um, went down and got on the blood trail and recovered that buck and he just made it out of sight and, and collapsed. And then we had a long pack out of that thing. I think it was double digit miles to get out of there with that buck, but um, absolutely stoked. Great home state buck, great late season buck, perfect shot, perfect execution. Um, just what I'm looking for, you know, uh, just absolutely stoked. And, uh, so yeah, uh, pack that buck out. It's a, uh, it's a, a buck with my bow during general rifle season, which, um, you know, is, is always like a, like a little bit of a feather in my cap or whatever. I, I just, um, I love getting close and hunting those things with a bow and arrow. The rut is so exciting with mule deer, uh, uh, with a bow and arrow and getting close. And, and two, I just gained so much experience. Like, uh, I don't always get it done on the first or second stock. Like sometimes it, it, it takes me multiple stocks and plays and I learned so much about bow hunting and stalking and getting close. And it's so much action, uh, uh, those, uh, adrenaline rushes and thrilling excitement. And so I just got hooked on hunting these deer with a bow and arrow where I just, I, I, I don't want to do it any other way. I love hunting that rut as much as any other species, as much as any other hunt. And I do think mule deer are my, my favorite, even though I love to chase elk, love to chase antelope, axis deer, like you name it. I love to chase it with my bow, but I have to say that muleys are my favorite. I love the high country game in velvet, but I also love the late season game during the rut. Uh, it's, it's just action, man. It's so fun. So... Uh, I'm hooked on it. I'm hooked on getting close and becoming the best bow hunter I can be. And um, hunt mule deer during the rut is definitely a big part of that. So I love chasing those things with my bow and arrow. Uh, so able to harvest that buck, get them packed out, get them butchered up, get back to work there for a little bit. And uh, I've got another season opening up. So um, uh, plan this trip. I was able to sneak out for a week long trip. Um, worked hard to get those days off and then, um, take off and I'm going to meet my buddy Dan and my buddy Dylan. They've got the tag as well. And, uh, going to take that, that cameraman Josiah again, and we're going to roll down and, uh, go do some hunting and, um, man, it's big mountains, deep snow, uh, bitter cold, and just takes like a different toughness in the cold as well. Um, you know, show up and, and the wind is just nuking. And I, I know that wind chill is like well below zero. It's just frigid. Um, and, and, you know, you just gotta, gotta keep moving and find wind breaks and, um, you know, start fires if you're not moving to try to keep warm and then, uh, warm, warm tents and warm camping is key, you know, especially when it gets down below zero, but, uh, that cold weather just kicks those does into the rut and it was crazy rutting action. It was just what I needed, just what I was looking for. And, uh, in between that hunt, um, Dylan and Dan both, uh, teamed up. I was tagged out. And, uh, so they teamed up and, um, they had some epic rut in action and, and they actually both ended up, uh, arrowing good bucks in, um, Montana, uh, super happy for him was checking in with them and wish I was down there with them. It sounds like they had some awesome action, but they were chasing good bucks around and, and, uh, both did arrow good, uh, four point bucks down there. Dylan's might've been a heavy, heavy three with uh, good back forks, but, uh, both good bucks. And, uh, so super happy for those guys. And, um, so yeah, they went down, arrowed those couple deer. And, uh, so we're on a roll three for three for us guys, you know, in Montana, I think we've done that a couple years in a row now, uh, arrow and buck. So, uh, super proud of those guys. I know they hunted hard, had a bunch of close calls and then we're teaming up for this next hunt. So we, uh, we meet up and, um, 
man, he's just action. I mean, bucks are in full rut, finding them in um, locations I've hunted before and also new locations um, and uh, just going for it. And it just amazes me like how tough it can be. Um, you know, even being all fine tuned in, I had these close calls that a lot of times would come together, but the bucks just never stop moving. And, um, it just reminds me like, uh, like how key this, this stalking skill needs to be, uh, like how on point. And I always talk about like the different facets of bow hunting that make you successful, you know, physical fitness, mental toughness, uh, mental attitude, uh, stalking skill, shooting skill. And, um, it just reiterates it to me. And as we're getting into off season now, it's like all I can think about is trying to improve these skill sets. But stalking is definitely one of them. That's what creates these opportunities to lose these arrows. And um, I, I just, you just can't get away with much. They just catch movement so well. And so able to play the winds really well and make good approaches. A lot of this is open country. It's big mountains. Um, hunting high elevation seemed like the money elevation was like 75 to 85, somewhere right in there. And um, this bitter cold and wind and and uh, got our layers pretty much dialed, you know, what to wear for clothing and things and how to keep warm and just spotting bucks and going for them. Uh, just sending it all throughout the mountains. We averaged over double-digit miles every single day. Um, gosh, two to 4,000 uh, vertical feet gain and lost every day. Just going for it. And and that's the funnest thing to me, too, is like that action with a bow. Uh, getting that action and those plays and those stalks. Like it's tough to make it come together, but that's the most exciting thing for me. And um, so we passed some good bucks and then had some plays after some bucks. And um Man, I had a play on a buck. Well, it wasn't even... I had seen two shooter bucks that were hanging in this spot, but they were about an hour away from where we were, so we sent it. And uh, we got over there and just made it through this group of trees and came out on the other side, and so I'm kind of in these aspens, and um, I catch this big buck down below me. And, um, gosh, he's like 50 yards or something like that, and he's a big, tall four-point. I think he's one of those shooters that had made his way over there and had bedded on the backside of the trees to be out of the wind. And that's another key thing, too, is just to know, like, you can't, you can't stalk deer unless you find deer, you know? And so you got to be good at finding these deer, finding the vantage points, covering country, glassing up these deer, creating the opportunities to get a stalk to then create the opportunities to loose an arrow. Like, there's all these skill sets that go into it. And furthermore, like uh, e-scouting, like finding these locations before I get down there, finding these hunts and these spots that I want to check out and these basins I want to check out, you know, by e-scouting or like what's even um, more crucial is like adapting once you get down there is is like where you find deer, you, you're transposing that information to different slopes and different basins. So where I find a good buck, I, I'm looking for that same south side, like they really like the big south side facers, sagebrush openings with a lot of feed in them. And um, so, you know, we're keying in on those openings and then able to uh, transpose that information into other openings, into new basins and go glass those and find other bucks and make plays, you know. And so anyways, I had made this play through the trees and this buck was at 50 yards down there and the doe started to spook out. But that buck was just staring down there. So I asked Josiah, I said, you got him? And he said, yeah, I got him. And uh, so he had him in between the trees in there. And um, man, I thought I could... 
I thought I could get my arrow through those trees and through those limbs. I thought I had a window. And when you're, when I'm looking at these shots, when I'm shooting through limbs and through trees, it seems like if you try to force it, you hit a limb. Like if you know you can't get through there, you won't get through there. But if you can find a window, and the way you find a window is like the buck was at 50, so I can put my 50 pin on him, and I've got a 5 pin mover sight, and so I've got 20 through 60 on my sight. And I know that my arrow comes out uh, at about my 30 pin um, or like, uh, you know, less than 20 or 20 yards. It's at about my 20 pin. And so it seems like if I can clear the close branches with my 20 pin and then have the 50 pin on the deer and, and I can see a, a clear route that my arrow is going to take through there, you know, I can feed that arrow through there and kill that buck. And, Man, I should have had that buck. He was a good tall four point in there. And asked Josiah, and he had him. He had a shot between the trees with the camera. And uh, I had a window. And again, these deer just pick up on movement so well. So I, it's not like I can really move left or right and try to find a window. They're just going to blow out of there. They standing right there at 50. It's like, now or never, can I get it through this window and shoot that buck? And I definitely don't want to force anything. But God, I thought I saw an opening through there. I thought I could get it through there. And uh, so I, I put my pin where it needed to be, cleared my 20 pin, and executed my shot. Sure enough, the, the cleared all the close branches, and um, right before it got to that deer, maybe 40 yards or 35 yards, it clipped a branch in there and, and uh, made that arrow kick right and uh, missed that buck. So um, I didn't feel too bad. Uh, we were early in the hunt, and it was like, well, you know, it's... um. It is what it is, you know, that a lot of deer like hanging in these these aspens that had lost all their branches or lost all their leaves, excuse me. And so it just left like this maze of branches to try to shoot through. And so there was multiple times in that week where I was chasing bucks in those uh, those aspens and just couldn't get a shot through them. But uh, executed a good shot, uh, just hit a branch and missed that deer and he took off and uh, continued to make plays, but yeah, I found them a lot in those Aspens, um, found this good three by four that was a, a good shooter, good tall tine three by four older buck and caught him in the willows one day or in the, the Aspens one day and just tough to get a shot through there as he's trying to rut this doe and I'm in range and then they move out of range. Um, but, uh, super close, you know, a lot of close encounters like that where just getting close and kind of letting things develop, and the the bucks end up moving out of there. Like, I cut off this one great deer, and um, all his does were coming back up through the saddle and made a move down there and had all the does in front of me, like, right in range, like uh, 60 yards, like, right in my max range there. Um, you know, 65, maybe they were. They were all right there. And, um, man, I mean, I just had my bow dialed, um, you know, uh, um, uh, to shoot down there, I had a, um, so, uh, had to shoot, uh, fixed blades down there, and so, um, fixed blades, I, I just, um, I built a specific sight tape for it, those fixed blades, you know, they shoot pretty good out there, but as you start getting more and more distance, they catch more air and more drag, and end up shooting a little bit lower than field points, and so, like, if I'm shooting fixed blades, I'm building a specific sight tape for fixed blades, and same thing for expandables, expandables catch more air than a field point, and so, as I start to get out there at, at, at longer distances, it starts to fall off, and I want my sight tape absolutely dialed. I want everything on my bow absolutely dialed so I can trust it in those situations. So I had a good sight tape built for those things, and anyways, I had those does at 65 yards. There was probably like 
10 or 15 of them, and this buck was rutting those does hard and tailing them, and um, I saw him right down there and made my play down, and then that buck shows up, and he's at like 75, 80 right there, kind of quartering towards facing me, and I had left Josiah about five to 10 yards behind me and he could see all the does with the camera, but I knew he couldn't see that buck that was coming from my right. And you know, that buck should have just tailed all those does and gave me a good broadside right at 65, right where those does were, gave good footage and the whole deal. And for some reason he just turned around, went the opposite way and went and found some new does and started rutting those. Like it's just so chaotic during the rut. You just never know what's going to happen. And sometimes it, it, uh, it it plays into your hand, and they move in crazy, and they move into you, or he chases a buck into you, but it seems more time than not, they just, uh, they're just they moving away from you, or just make a decision to get out of there, and so uh, didn't spook anything, all those does fed in front of me, and we waited there for like, he, uh, he was right there at 75, 80 yards, something like that, and he turned around and went back down, and I thought for sure he was just chasing a buck off or something, and he was going to return back to all these does that are now feeding in front of us. And um, he never did return back. <laughs> just like 10 minutes goes by and never see him. And the does kind of keep moving away from us and into the into the sparse trees looking for a bedding spot. And uh, never do see that buck and kind of back out and then respot that buck. And he had left those does to go find some other does. And uh, so then, you know, tried to make a play around and um, kind of disappeared on me. And I actually ended up finding him that night, you know, we we didn't we didn't see him and looked up the hill and decided to go up the hill and uh, we actually uh, uh, tried to close in on a different buck that was on a far sagebrush hillside a few miles away. Uh, got over there and there was another hunter that was working up that sagebrush and ended up blowing up all those deer. And so we returned back and we're just hiking out and I look down and I see that same buck. So I'm not sure where he bedded. We looked for him all over in there. Uh, later that morning and and disappeared. But there he is right in that meadow down there and. I think on that one was more my mistake. I We pushed down there, and I was trying to beat the sun going down over the hillside because when the sun leaves, the thermals start to drop. And we really played the winds good, but I was trying to get to him while the sun was still up, and we were hustling. And um, I, I think he must have heard something you know, must have heard some sticks breaking, or he had one doe over there he was rutting, and uh, he didn't spook, but the doe did, uh, and just looked a little spooky. I mean, she could have just moved out of the basin, but I actually think she heard me moving down. Um, you know, they're called mule deer for those big ears, and they can hear really well, and even with wind noise, you know, wind noise definitely helps, but um, if they hear sound, they, they don't spook real hard from sound usually. I mean, they will spook from sound, but a lot of times what it does is it just alerts them to approaching danger. And so they hear that noise and then they look in that direction and they'll just stare in that direction until they see movement. And then once they see movement, they'll, they'll blow and they're out of there. Um, but I, I'm not sure if she heard something and started moving out of there and anyways, took that buck and that was that. Um, didn't even really get close to him, you know, that second time, but, um, that's just kind of the way it went. It was just chaos. And, um, also saw, saw a mountain lion hunting at one point, glassed up a mountain lion down below me, just a, uh, a big old cat. And, um, so funny, like I'm looking around him for deer and I've been glassing that hillside for quite a while. And all of a sudden I can just see these, I can just see that cat switch from like moving country to hunting. I'm like, what in the heck does it see? And I glass to my right, and sure enough, there's three deer coming out of the timber, a spike and two does. And uh, that cat starts playing the game on them. And um, 
can learn a lot from the, these cats and the way they stalk, even your house cat, uh, but especially these mountain lions that are hunting these mule deer. And that's why these mule deer are so on edge. Uh, their instincts are so keen. They're so tough to kill with a bow and arrow. It's one of the reasons I love hunting them. Um, they're made for spot and stalk, and and um, uh, they're they're tough to kill. Instincts are keen, and um, they just don't put away with much. And and you know, every every once in a while, you'll get one that'll stand there and wait for you to to get to it. Or you know, usually a doe or a smaller buck will make a mistake, but. Um, I don't know. They're just, um, they're really switched on, you know, at least for me. And it, it seems like, uh, it seems like you just don't kill them with, um, you know, sometimes you have to make an aggressive play or you spook them and you try to move around, but it rarely ever works with those aggressive plays. Uh, you know, unless they're just in the right spot and you're cutting them off and you're behind a hillside hidden, but, but usually, it's 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 slow it's patient it's it's not letting them know you're there like the the biggest advantage you have is the element of surprise to just let deer be deer when they're just feeding and they're not like heads up looking around for danger but i watched this mountain lion and it switched gears to hunting on these three deer and and uh, watched it crouch down and and they're so patient. He can just sit there and he can just watch those deer in front of him just move. And then when they get out of sight, he kind of makes his move on them and starts moving. And and uh, watch that mountain lion make a mistake on those three deer. They picked him up. And that mountain lion is way sneakier than I could ever dream of being. And, and he got busted, you know. Like, uh, uh, I, I'm uh, so funny. I, I, I had this... I had this stock and I compared it to that mountain line or whatever. And, and where he made his, his mistake is he was real sneaky and slow and patient. And then the deer went over this rise and he kind of hustled to get over the rise. And those deer must've caught his movement moving through those sage. And you know, a mountain line, it only stands two foot tall and a foot tall when it's crouching and caught him moving through the sage, you know? And so like, you just got to be so sneaky, so slow, sl- so patient. Like that's what works for these mule deer. Uh, not aggressive, quick plays, you know, and so he spooked this buck and um, reminded me like one of my my closest times. And I, you know, I try to keep a good attitude and like um, I try to keep positive the whole time. I try not to let it get to me. But, you know, a lot of these stocks, you go miles and miles in elevation just to give yourself a chance to get there and spook them. And it gets frustrating, you know, when you blow them up or it doesn't work out. And I try to just keep a positive attitude. And I know, you know, failure is a prerequisite and it's going to happen. And, you know, they're just going to beat me on a lot of stocks. You just, I'm just, you know, as good as I get at spot and stocking, I'm still not perfect. And same with that mountain lion. That mountain lion is way sneakier, you know, uh, so sneaky, you know, so stealthy. Such a good hunter has survived all those years by killing deer uh, with its teeth and its claws, you know, by jumping on its back. Like he is a good hunter, but he's going to blow stocks too. It's just catching them in the right spots. It's being patient, waiting for your time to close in. and, And that's a big part of it. But I, I did have some frustration boil over as I, I moved in on this buck. It's that same big three by four I was telling you guys about, and I had some good plays on this buck. Man, I had this one play where, um, I mean, I hunted this buck all morning long, three four hours, and he's kind of in this big open sagebrush hillside. But 
uh, we slid down kind of on our butts with my bow in my lap, and then we'd slide down uh, every time we got a chance, and we'd really wait for the wind to blow, which helps cover our noise, and then we'd slide down the hill some more, and we used the ungulation, the benches, and the rises, and ridge lines, and then we just don't get seen, and he's with a big group of does, and he's really on one doe, rutting her hard. And uh, we stalked down at one point, got within 100 yards of them, and uh, they just got up and kind of moved away from us. And so we actually backed out of there, made a different approach, like moved down the ridge some more, made a different approach, and just get into range of these things. And I can see does bedded all around me, a couple does standing down below, feeding down below, finally get to the bush I want to get to, which is taking an hour or whatever. And, and um, I'm, so I'm telling Josiah, my cameraman, I'm like, man, there's... um there's does all around us, you know, and there's, there's, um, there's one doe that's looking at us down there. We just got to get set up and be patient. We don't, we don't know quite where the buck is this time because we've left him and worked around. We just know he's in the group somewhere and work around to this, in this bedded doe, she's kind of facing us up the hillside. And, uh, I'm telling him that nothing knows we're there. And as I turn back around, that doe is standing, looking in my direction. Now, I don't know if she heard me whisper. I really don't think so. Maybe heard us like sliding down the hillside into range, you know, and just heard something and then was just on to us. But when I turned back around, she's standing there. And then all of a sudden, here's the buck and he comes right behind her and he's tailing. That's his hot doe. And he gets right behind her and he stops broadside in range. Uh, but there's a sagebrush like right in front of his vitals. Get a good range on him, just waiting. And then that. Doe spooks off and and uh, takes that buck with her, and so um, no chance at him. And that wasn't where the frustration boiled over. You know, it's just like a, you know, just you you, you just want to get a chance, just to uh, uh, earn that opportunity to bend the limbs back and kill one of those things. And you work so hard crawling around and hiking and all the elevation and in the snow and in the cold, um, but it it's just. Um, you know, bow hunting doesn't care. It doesn't care how hard you worked. It doesn't care uh, how good of a stock you made. It's just like those those mule deer are trying to live another day, and um, you know their lives depend on on catching uh, incoming danger, and they're really good at it. And um, that doe was better than we were that day. It caught us, but where it boiled over was we're getting towards the end of the hunt, and um, I had spotted that three by four again, like a day or two later, and uh, he's a good one, just deep tall forks i'll post a picture of him on my instagram so you guys can see him uh before i lose this podcast so it'll be on there you can take a look at it um but uh big tall forks and i catch him again and um we'd actually made a play on this big heavy buck he just had this giant frame and uh we'd been chasing him we called him coke can because of his mass and he's just this old big heavy deer and he had a big front on one side and a big back on the other side so he's a three by three but just so impressive if i kill that deer you know he'd i'd ooh and awe over him you know and so would all my buddies at camp you know and i brought him back he just had that mass and so coke can was down there and uh it was an absolute snowstorm that day, but I knew where the bucks were hanging, and so we went anyways. And I uh, had them down in a bottom and had them bedded, and we snuck down, used the ungulation, made a perfect approach. And just in our final approach, we kick a doe out on our side of the ridge right there that I didn't know was there. And uh, she spooks over, and she gets all those 
those deer all standing now. And so we kind of still make our way over the ridge and they're still standing there in range when I come over and I'm trying to get a shot. But again, he's in these Aspens and he's trying to breed a doe the whole time. Like he could care less. Like he's trying to mount this doe the whole time, but the does are pretty nervous looking. And finally they kind of spook up the hill and they take him and he tries to breed that doe the whole way up the hill. You know, he could care less. And, uh, so you know, I didn't. I didn't know if that big three by four was still in there. If there was any other bucks, but that was definitely the shooter I wanted. That Coke can buck, and so uh, I just tell Josiah we're gonna we're gonna follow him. We're gonna get on his tracks, and we're gonna try to follow him down today. And so we climb all the way down and all the way up the hillside. You know, we waited for him for a half an hour to clear, and we we get up that hillside, and um, we're tracking him a ways. And I glass back over, and I see that big three by four, and he's. Uh, with a handful of does, and he's in the perfect spot with a perfect wind, and um, so I made the I, I made the decision there that you know okay if we're gonna we're gonna leave Coke Can we're gonna let him go you know we're chasing after a spook buck who knows where he's gonna end up but there's that three by four and he's in a good spot like I told you guys it was uh the craziest hunt I had all year it was just action um, which is so fun for a bow hunter to just really. Uh, uh, really test my skills and and really try to get close and man they were switched on and with all those eyes it's about beating the does not the buck but I saw that three by four bedded in the perfect spot and this was this was the stock and so we came around we got the wind right and as I get over there you know you're constantly adapting on a stock and I couldn't tell I knew the wind was coming from the buck to me but I couldn't tell if it was going to be coming downhill or uphill and so as I started working through there on that hillside, I made a decision that he was uphill, and it was the right decision. So uphill coming at us, I worked to where that buck and those does, the buck had actually bedded down the last time we had seen him uh, with those does. So we worked to that bed ground and didn't see him there. And uh, so I keep working over the hill, over the hill, and then I see him, and I see his horns, and he's rutting this doe. And I get a range, and he's 55, and uh, just walks dead away from me. I don't grunt or anything, but I'm trying to get a shot in there. And he just works over, the, like, kind of the rise, so I keep after him. And I, I work over the rise, and I'm trying to get a shot at him there. And then that doe turns around, she starts coming, and she's going to bring that buck right down below me. And so I get knelt down, I, I kneel Joe down, and... And uh, we're going to let these things come right by us, you know. It, and um, she starts coming, and I'm I'm all knocked up, and I'm getting a range. And she brings this buck by uh, broadside. And she doesn't know we're there, but she's a little nervous. You know how those deer will look at you? But we're kneeling and not moving, and we're in the wide open sage. But she just keeps, excuse me, she just keeps kind of looking at us, you know. And so she knows something isn't quite right. And, um, that buck, they got to like 40 yards down below me, had a good range. And I just thought now or never. And I tried to draw it back as that buck was rutting her by us. And, um, she caught that movement, locked onto me and blew up out of there and took that buck. And, oh, I was, I was frustrated at that point. I, um, <laughs> so, uh, she took that buck and, and, uh, they rolled and as, you know, just been hunting so like, um, you know, I talk about patience and moving in slow and trying to make these these perfect plays, but but it is like an aggressive style of hunting. Like I had just been hunting a buck that morning, and then you know once they spook, you're trying to position and move yourself around them. And um, you know, I was just um so hungry to try to bend the limbs back. I almost wanted them too bad, 
And um, so I tried to draw my bow where the they could catch me, you know, where they were down below me broadside. But he, she caught that movement at forty yards and rolled. And sometimes mule deer and elk will put a put up with you drawing a bow. Um, but the smarter move would have just been to let those that buck rut that doe by me, and then tried to get a quartering away shot. Now maybe he never would have stopped because that's the way bucks are during the rut. Maybe he just would have chased her out of my life, and maybe and then I would have said, well, I should have tried to draw back when they were forty broadside, you know. But it's just hindsight's twenty twenty, and I was just frustrated. It reminded me of like axis deer like an axis buck they're so switched on that you never try to draw when they're looking at you it doesn't matter if they're in range if they're staring your direction you'd never try to draw on them they always blow up it never works and so you gotta like wait and and even if he knows you're there you just don't move and eventually he tries to move away from you and then that's your time to try to draw your bow and that's what i should have done there is i should have waited let them rut that doe by me where they wouldn't have seen me draw and then try to keep getting ranges and then try to draw and shoot that buck quartering away. And so, you know, I felt like I had made a mistake. And um, Josiah is really good at at putting that camera in my face when I don't want it in my face, you know, especially, you know, I'm talking about all these failed stocks I've had and like, uh, like, like man, we've just been going for it. We've just been grinding, you know, in the snow and in the cold and all these miles and making these stocks. And I, I can't make it come together quite on the bucks that I want, you know, sure we had passed some smaller bucks, but those bigger bucks are just tough, you know, and it was the buck I wanted and he came by me at 40 yards and I blew it. And, um, there, uh, there was a little frustration that boiled over. I like to think that I keep a cool head all the time, and it's just like, oh, it just is what it is. You just, you just bust them, move on to the next one. But God, it, it means so much to me. Like you know, you want to arrow a buck. I want to arrow a buck so bad. Um, so he, he just keeps that camera on him, and I kind of explain. I was like, man, I should have waited. I should have waited till he went down. God dang it, you know. And he still got that camera in my face. I look right in the lens and I just give it a big F bomb right in the lens. Like about, it's just so frustrating. It just like, uh, it just boiled over there. So, uh, should make for good content on the video, you know, hopefully they use it and it's, um, just reality. It's like, we all get frustrated, you know, it just is what it is, but it happened. And, um, pretty soon you got to just forget about it, pick myself up and keep after him, you know? And so, um, Man, it was gnarly too. It's always like gambling rigs up there. You know, I've got my, you know, I run that Toyota Tundra. And so, um, you know, it's a $30,000 rig or, you know, who knows after I get done beating it up, they probably give me 20 for it or 16 for it now. You know, it's got 120,000 miles on it, but still it's my ride. It's my work truck. My hunting truck does everything for me. And we're up on these snowy roads and, and, um, really to get into these spots, it gets sketchy. They kind of lean towards the cliff edge. And I was, I was chained up, uh, couldn't make it up the hill that morning, had to chain up the backs, and the Toyotas don't have a lot of clearance up front for chains. They do have a little bit, and um, so I've been meaning to get some low-clearance chains for the front, but I don't. I just have a set for the back, and um, and and now I will. I'll order some off Amazon here when I get off here. Um, I, I want to find just a little bit low-clearance chains, but anyways, I had them on the back, and... Um, after after that morning when I hunted those two bucks, it was a snowstorm down there blowing and snowing. I mean, it was starting to drift as I hiked back and, and we still weren't even to where we could drive to where we to the trailhead or what we have still a couple miles. We had to hike a road just to get back in there, um, but we made it back and 
met my buddy Dan. He had hunted a different spot. He had chased another buck that morning, the first buck that we saw. And um, Dan chased that thing all morning, had a close call on it. And we make it back, and we're going to caravan out of there and make sure nobody slips off the road or anything like that. And driving back, Dan slips in this spot that's this edge that's leaned towards this cliff, and he makes it. He doesn't go over. And then as I go to the same spot, I slip in the same spot as he is, and my front end goes off the the edge. (laughs) So spooky. And it's like, um, it's, it's like the, the more I try to move, the more it slides down the hill and I've got chains on the back. And, um, so it's just good. I got a good buddy there, Dan, to try to think through the situation. And so, um, you know, we get out there with shovels, just a mess of snow. I'll post this on my Instagram as well as the, the snow mess that we left behind. We actually didn't get any pictures of the truck sliding off the hill. We should have, but it was like all hands on deck, you know, just safety at that point, trying not to lose my rig for the whole winter or whatever. I don't, I don't even know what my insurance company would tell me at that point. You know, it's like they just, uh, they tell me, well, that's, uh, that's, uh, uh, uh for buying, you know, it's like, I don't even know if they'd cover it. I don't, I don't ever want to have to make that call, but I'm slid off my front end. And so, um, chained up on the back. And so we try to dig tracks. The more I try to move, the more it slips off the hill. And so we try to dri- uh, dig in tracks going backwards so we can get my front tires back in these tracks and, um, chains spinning and biting and, um, I'm, I'm backed halfway into a tree and just going for it and finally get it back in the tracks after an hour of messing with it. So now I'm in the tracks, but I still got to go through that sketchy spot. And now it's a mess. You know, there's been a truck already slide off there. And, um, and so we sat there and we dug for another hour and we just tried to dig these tracks into there so I could cross it. And, um, and then I, I moved the chains to the front, which chains on the front are just a game changer, you know, and I should have known that there's just not a lot of clearance on those Toyotas. And I'm always worried about it hitting my ball joint in there and really tearing stuff up. And, um, so I, I just chain up the backs and usually when you need chains, it's so gnarly. Like if it's that gnarly where I need chains, I probably don't need to be in there, but they do just give you such grip on these wintertime hunts and these wintertime hunts. This is like my biggest anxiety of these things is just my truck trying to get up these mountain roads just to try to access the country I need to get. Like it's sketchy and it seems like I'm always pushing my limits. But we chain up the front and we make it across there and keep the truck safe. But there's there's no more hunting that basin then. Or actually I did hunt it one more time. I I hiked now now I've got to hike four or five miles to get in there, which is ten miles when I go there and back just to make it to this basin that's hunted so good. But we had we had all been hunting it hard for quite a few days and um we'd had those bucks run around. We had our chances at them and um you know they just don't give you a whole lot of chances. Like I'd I'd had chances that three by four like I was telling you guys, but um, you know, never really blew him up where he knew it was me, spooked his doe that one time and um, cocaine, I only got one stock on him, even though I'd passed him two evenings just cause he wasn't in the right place. But eventually I'd spooked him and he knew it, you know, or his does knew it. And, um, so we had run him around pretty good and, um, it was epic there for, for the time being, but, uh, we had to try to get out of there and it, it snowed all night again that night. And so just so much snow and we had to get all three trucks out of there. And so, uh, we were wall tent camping, which was just so fun like with, with two of my best bow hunting buddies that love it as much as I do and, and just laughing and joking and staying up late. And God, it's just so fun. It's just like the funnest thing on planet earth. But, uh, eventually we had to get out of there, but I still had another day and a half left day and a half left. Yeah. Day and a half left to hunt. 
and um, so rolled out and and rolled to a new spot. Now this is um this is a spot that I've hunted. This is my third year hunting it. So I paid my dues in this place. Um, hunted it three years. Probably got twenty five days in there. Figured I got close to one hundred and fifty to two hundred miles in there. You know, of walking miles, and not to mention all the roads and scouting and. And deer, they're not just spread out throughout the landscape. They have certain places that they like and that they favor and that you find them in consistently. And so um, had some other hunts I wanted to go on. Uh, one spot I checked out, found a good buck in there, a couple good bucks, and decided that Dan was going to go in there for the afternoon. Uh, evening hunt, he ended up finding a really good buck, hunting him the next morning as well and um, getting close. And, and me and Dylan went off to this other spot, and uh, a spot that I had done well in before, um, but there was more snow the year I did well in there. And so I wasn't sure what it was going to be, but it was a really cool spot that I liked straight up the mountain. And, uh, so me and Dylan went over there and, um, you know, sent Dylan left up another ridge and I went up, you know, right up this ridge I wanted to go and get up there and sure enough, look over and find this good buck. And God, he's a good heavy one. He's got an inline in him, and he's just heavy, old, and wide. You know, he's just just like the buck I'm looking for. Um, you know, on the one side, he's a three point, but that three point has an inline and a great big front fork, four point on the other one. But mass makes the buck, and uh, when they're that massive, I don't care what their forks look like. He's a good old deer that I'm gonna try everything in my power to try to get an arrow in. And um, so we spot this buck, and he's with these does, and. Um, and uh, so we roll up the mountain, and um, he, I watch him lead these does, and I watch him cross the ridgeline, and he's gone, and he's kind of now, he's in this north-facing timber. I'm not sure how I'm going to find him on that hillside, how I'm going to get a vantage point on it. Uh, but there's a little outcropping that goes out there, and that's the first spot to look. So hike over to where I'd seen him disappear and go out on that outcropping, start glassing, and spot some more deer here and there. Um, seen another three-point and a and, um, couple other deer, and... And uh, roll out to that that vantage and looking around and just getting ready to leave. Like, how am I going to find this deer? I think I'm going to have to go all the way up on the ridge and hike around and then look back into this north side timber and try to find him, see if I can see him moving in there. And I look right, and there he is. And um, he found another group of does. He was rutting another doe in there. and Heavy wind that day and worked around him and just played it patient, trying to use all these lessons, all these failed stocks, and just trying to... Uh, patience kills the buck and, and just trying not to force it or not make any moves. And, um, that's what we did. We worked in on this buck, worked into bow range of them. And, um, gosh, he had a bunch of does and then he had two bucks that were pestering him, um, trying to steal does and things. So there was a lot of chaos in the herd and it was just, these does were so on edge from these other bucks around and this buck around that, um, they were just always looking up and I, I got stuck. I had to wait in the same spot for 40 minutes waiting and I just couldn't get around this tree to try to get a shot at this buck um and I was just trying to play it patient and like I say every time I touch the grass or rustle anything those does would pick up their head and look in my direction I just couldn't get away with anything and um finally they started to work up and out and away from me and so backed out of there came around tried to cut them off in the saddle and um, I think they must have heard me sneaking up to the saddle like there was quite a bit of snow there or there was a, a bit of snow that had got crunchy right there. And so I was trying to sneak to the saddle and ambush them where they came through. And they, they must have heard me because I watch them go up the hillside kind of away from me and keep going up. And um, so I, I think they had heard me or maybe that was just the direction they went. I think they were going to meet me in the saddle and must have heard, you know, me and Joe trying to sneak up to that spot and set up. 
So they go up the mountain, but they they want to go left. And I know there's a high plateau up there, and there's a big rock cliff. And I know that plateau is, you know, it's only 80 to 100 yards across. And I know wanting to go left, I know I can cut them off. And so we make our move for all we're worth to try to make it up that hill and just breathing hard and going for it and um, get to the top of the hill. And I catch them, and they're up there and in that flat, moving across, duck down below the ridge, move left further, get over there um, where I'm going to pop up and where I'm going to shoot that buck. And I pop up, I get a good range on that buck. And, um, Man, there's a, a heavy wind. I'm talking 20-mile-an-hour crosswind. And um, so I know it's a high degree of difficulty shot, but I live in Ennis, Montana. I shoot in the wind nonstop. And um, so I gave it full bubble and uh, put it, like, kind of right on his shoulder there where it should drift back in. And um, I loose that arrow. And, uh, God, I watched that wind just catch that arrow. And the wind just blows those fixed blades so far, you know, like twice as far as an expandable. And uh, push that arrow where I hit him back. Good elevation, just hit him back. And um, it's like my worst nightmare, you know. All this action and trying to kill a deer, the last thing you want to do is hit him bad, you know. And, but it's solid enough in the middle of the body, you know, that I I think I, I'm going to get this buck, you know. And, and um, got an arrow into him, and he kind of goes in the rock in the rock cliffs and can see the arrow's back, but um, he's hurt, pretty sicked up. And uh, made the decision to kind of sneak around, try to get another arrow in him. So, you know, you have to make these decisions when you hit a deer, hit anything. And your decision is, is, is do you wait and uh, just leave them and not spook them and let them bed down and come back in the morning and find them, find them dead or whatever? Or are you worried about the blood trail? And, and is he hurt bad enough where he is going to die? Or is he going to make it far enough to where you can't trail him to then you lose him, you know? And so you have to make this decision. Do you leave right then? Or do you try to get another arrow in him? And it depends on the the terrain and the ungulation. And if you can think close, if you can get close enough, it also depends on where the shot's at. And if it's a lethal shot or you think he's going to die or you think he got a good blood trail. But uh, he's kind of having a tough time in these rocks in there and he's kind of held up. And uh, so I made the decision to sneak around, try to get another arrow in him. And um, snuck around and... Um, Man, I, I just caught him through this window of trees, and so I've got like a basketball opening to shoot through the trees, and I can see this buck through there, and um, it's a good poke, um, but it's a second shot, and it's a killing shot on this this elk, or this deer, God, I'm not hunting elk, don't get me wrong there, <laughs> I'm hunting mule deer, uh, rutting bucks, but uh, I see him on that hillside, and uh, he's hurt, he's sick, and I've got this basketball-sized window through this tree. And um, I draw back once, and I put my pin on the deer, but I can see that my twenty's not clear to send that arrow through there. And um, I think he's like, he's like seventy four through there. So a long shot with my fixed blades for sure. Um, but you know, to get a wounded buck, it's anything to get that buck down. So I draw back once and um, try to put my pin on him, and I don't have clearance. And I think I'm trying to duck down through the window, and um, I don't have clearance, and I have to let down. Um, my arrow's not going to clear, you know, I'd learn, you know, I've learned my lesson over the years and, and definitely learned it with that last, those last aspens that if you think it's going to hit a branch, it's going to hit a branch. And so I let down. And then as I stand up, I kind of see this other opening where I can send my arrow through. So I've actually got to put my pin on the buck in the branches, but then my arrow clears through that basketball size window and I can send that arrow in there. And man, I, I, 
I put it on him. I executed one of my best shots, and it's a it's a follow up shot. But I think you know there's just as much or more so pressure on one of those shots. You know, it's like um, you know I would have loved to have that first arrow be perfect and have him um, tip over and die there a handful of steps. Don't get me wrong, um, but I I am proud of that second shot and um, being able to execute a real quality shot under pressure. And I'm I mean the pressure's on. You miss that buck, who knows if you kill him? And then you've got a wounded buck in there, and I've got to cut my tag because I hit one and I lost it. Or who knows? Like maybe I would have got that buck. He would have sicked up and would have found him the next morning. But um, the point is, is that the pressure's on to make a good shot and the pressure's really on. And, um, so yeah, I, um, held that pin, executed a good shot, put it right through that window and just laced that buck. Oh God, that felt good. Um, felt good to make a good shot. It felt good to finish that buck and not have a wounded buck running around or not have him have to suffer all night or whatever the case is. And, um, it's always the goal is to just make a clean, uh, efficient, effective kill, you know, and, and, um, you know, I wish it happened like that every time, but I mean, to tell you the truth, it's bow hunting. Things happen. There's conditions outside of our control, whether it hits a limb or whether it's a gnarly crosswind or whether it's, um, the, the buck reacts at the shot or whatever the case is like stuff just happens. And then you have to react in the moment and make the right decisions there to hopefully recover that deer. Um, because we all know, you know, it can, it can happen where you lose an animal. It can happen with a bow. It can happen with a rifle. It is part of hunting and it's kind of the ugly side of hunting that isn't talked about much, but it's, um, it's, um, it's one of those things that I strive so hard to try to avoid and be at my best in those moments. But, um, the deal is, is, um, got that second shot, was able to sneak up and then finish him off right there and, and um, just a great heavy older buck and um, great inline on him and just stoked like a snowstorm coming in that night and um, you know got to see the um, the sunset and just up on this gnarly mountain range and you know my last evening I had another morning hunt but my last evening to hunt and um, arrow a good buck at the end of that hunt it was um it was crazy cool and and the action I had in this five, six days, whatever it was in there was just epic. God, it was such action, you know, which is, which is the funnest thing for a bow hunter and make plays and try to make it happen. And I, I learned a lot like, um, you know, a lot of it's just lessons I've already learned that are reiterated, but, um, I, um, started a list that I'm going to write down of the things I learned on those stocks. And, um, you know, it just makes me realize like going into, um, the off season is that, um, success is never a given. And it's, um, with a bow and arrow, it's one of the toughest things on planet earth. And this is, you know, 20 years or a lifetime for me, I dedicate myself to the craft of bow hunting, trying to improve my skills. And that's, that's all of those skills. That's fitness, that's shooting, that's, um, e-scouting, that's stalking, um, uh, being able to keep my composure instincts, like all of that, uh, goes into this hunt and determines whether or not uh, I'm successful or I fail, you know, and it's a lifetime of dedication that that comes to fruition, you know, and I'm able to arrow a buck like that, you know, and so it's just incredible to see all that 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 hard work pay off. And so um, it just uh, it keeps me hungry, it keeps me wanting to work more. And I think um, I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to go to January. I've got to I've got to get back to normal life here and responsibility and um get some things done. It's been a long hunting season, but, um, what a way to close it, you know, and maybe I, maybe I will, you know, sneak down to AZ or whatever for a late season hunt. I haven't decided yet, but, um, 
If not, what a way to close the season with my best hunt of the year. Uh, absolute action and uh, to kill a, a giant old buck like that. And um, man, it's just absolutely awesome. It just keeps me hungry for this this season coming up. And the time to improve my skill set is right now in the off season. And so um, you know, I've got some stuff i got to take care of here, but no days off. And I uh, really want to hone my skills and, and um, I want to be as good as I can be, you know, and that that's continue to improve, continue to be better at, at all those different facets of bow hunting and um, just commitment, dedication. It's like uh, if I want to try to have a season like I had this season, um, I've got to work hard. Like those animals next year, like you go on a tough hunt. Those those animals don't know what I've accomplished before. The animals I've arrowed, I've got to prove it again. And um, those stalking skills are so key, like honing those instincts. And I really think like the way to do it, like I think, um, you know, you can also go out and stalk does and things in the off season and just see what you can get away with and what you can't. But experience really makes you a better uh, bow hunter, like uh, better at stalking skills. And I... I really think that's where a lot of that skill set comes from, you know? And so for me, it's just been experience, you know, bow hunting so many different places, always taking my bow, uh, hunting a, a bunch of different species and different habitats and uh, different seasons and, and really uh, bow hunting as much as I can bow hunt. That's that's how I've learned. And I've also, like, I love to spot and stalk. And so I don't call, I don't decoy. There's no gimmicks for me. I don't sit in blinds. Like for me, it's all spot and stock, no matter what animal I'm chasing. And I, I've dedicated myself to that craft. So that's the payoff, you know, but I want to continue to improve. And so it's writing down all these notes, all these lessons I've learned and really being patient and slow, methodical and um, really making the right moves, keeping that element of surprise. But I, I think for me, it's always been experience. And so like that Hawaii trip is so key. And I've got those great friends in Hawaii that um, will have me out there and host me chasing axis deer super switched on and it's high opportunity like the the opportunities I get in four or five days uh, are amazing and it really improves my skill set and you know played a big role in in my hunts this season but I think for for everybody else out there too like uh, you know that maybe that opportunity isn't available or it it is but um, you know it's there's other ways to do it like I used to hunt this prison ranch and I think it's still open they used to let you shoot bucks or does and you get five tags so you and you could shoot a mule deer or white tail and the prison ranch is one of the biggest ranches in montana and it's they're still bow hunting there now um and the season would go all the way to january 1st and uh, you could get five deer tags shoot a buck or a doe white tail or a mule deer and uh it's open country a lot of ag fields and a lot of deer on there and i would just go there and i'd buy five tags and i'd hunt all late season you know, there's a lot of opportunities if you just look for it. Like whitetail are some of the the best teachers. They're so switched on. They're so tough to spot and stock that if, you know, I used to get whitetail doe tags. I, I can get five in my home valley and, and just spot and stock whitetail does and try to kill them with my bow. Like this experience has made me the bow hunter that I am. And that stalking skill, it gets you to the dance. It gets you to that time where you get to bend the limbs and, and try to make it and execute a good shot. And that experience is so key. So make sure you're looking for these, 
you know, we, we all like to hunt trophies and shoot trophies and go after a big bull or go after a big buck. And, and believe me, I get it. Like that's, that's my life's goal. That's uh, what really gets me excited and what I love. Um, but I built all these skills through doing these high opportunity hunts, these hunting antelope with my bow, spot and stock, hunting white tailed does with my bow, spot and stock, hunting axis deer with my bow, spot and stock, hunting mule deer during the early season, during mid season, during the rut, hunting elk during the rut, hunting elk during post like any opportunity I have to go spot and stock but the deal is is with mule deer and elk and now this hunt was a little different I got quite a few plays but a lot of times mule deer you know you might only get one two three stocks a season same thing with elk one two stocks a season three stocks a season you know you may get a little more than that you may get less than that you know and so like really taking advantage of high opportunity hunts whether it's the state next to you whether it's your home state Looking for those doe tags, those antelope tags, you know, traveling to these different places. I mean, you know, uh, I've hunted caribou up on the tundra. I've hunted moose, you know, Alaskan Yukon moose, uh, spot and stock. Like I, like all these different things go go into um, making making me a complete bow hunter. And and it's part of part of the reason why I'm consistently successful is I've just honed and built these instincts over the years. So make sure that when you're looking at these hunts for this next season or even this late season that that you're taking advantage of these high opportunity hunts. And if you don't have that opportunity. A look to just go stalk deer without your bow during the off season. Like those stalking skills are so key. So um, work on that, man. Just keep putting in the work. I know I am gonna grind hard. I'm gonna do more miles, more elevation, um, man, uh, more e scouting, hunt places I know, hunt new spots. Um, uh, uh, work on that mental toughness, but also keeping a positive attitude. Like I don't need to look into the camera and scream F bomb, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> and I, my joke was, is that that cougar did the same thing when I was watching those cougar hunt those deer and he blew them, but I doubt it. You know, it's like those things are used to failing, but, um, you know, it was, it was just, it bubbled over a little bit there, not too bad or anything. It was just like, get that camera out of my face. <laughs> it's like, uh, it did boil over a touch there, but, um. Man, what a hunt, what a season. It's incredible. Man, I'm so fortunate to be able to live this life I do and have these wild adventures. And, like, I'm just a blue-collar guy. I'm just a carpenter, you know? And um, to be able to structure my life around this and support my family and then go on these wild adventures all the way. I mean, you know, starting out, I did that Hawaii trip and then... Um, antelope and I did the the early season high country I had two of those hunts one I was successful uh, Nevada and then um when I was unsuccessful in Colorado where I had that miss that just haunted me for a while and then you know roll into elk and hunt elk super hard and then end up closing on that bull during that big snowstorm was incredible and then um on to hunting late season muleys and and killing that buck in my home state with a perfect shot in his bed, looking away, you know, straight down this cliff, you know, is just wild. And then all the way to this late season rut hunt. But I, man, I'm just so fortunate to be able to have all these hunts and these adventures and to be able to learn from them. And then to be able to spend time with good buddies like that and then help them be successful as well. Um, like I'm constantly, um, sharing information and trying to help those guys be successful, putting them on bucks I've seen and, um, putting them in places where I've seen bucks. And, um, you know, it's like, uh, my good friends are sure good to me and I sure want to be a good friend to them and a good hunting partner to them. So helping them be successful as well. And, um, yeah, it's just this, um, 
this amazing journey. I'm just so glad that I've found this thing that I absolutely love with, uh, you know, with all my heart and soul that just keeps me wanting to be a better person and keeps me wanting to improve and keeps me excited about life. And, um, it's just the absolute best for sure. So, um, you can guarantee I'll, I'll be out and continuing to put in the work to, uh, improve my skill set to give myself a, uh, the best chance I can to be successful again next season. It's an amazing journey. It's um, absolutely wild, and I'm super fortunate. And um, just reaping the benefit for from all these years of hard work, too. Uh, there was a lot of years where I ate a lot of tags, and I didn't see success, and nobody saw those running miles I was putting in. Nobody saw those arrows I was shooting. Like, uh, just it it takes years to, to hone these skill sets, you know. It doesn't happen overnight. Like, um, you can definitely shorten the learning curve, like listening to this podcast and reading articles and knowing what to expect and uh, what situations to look for you can definitely shorten the learning curve um, but it takes getting out there and having that experience and learning from it and dedicating yourself to it um, that year-round work pays dividends you just uh, you enjoy yourself more when you're in better shape you can go harder you never say no to a stock you always say yes and um, you know th- these hunts always come down to making a shot during high pressure you know it's like uh, shooting that bow day in day out working on my execution just um working on my tuning, um, and, and, uh, all the little things, they definitely come into play, but, um, it's just this awesome journey. So anyways, I'm going to get this, um, this new bow all set up and ripping for the next hunt. Super impressed by it. And, um, so thanks to Matthews for that and, uh, their support of the podcast. Make sure to go check them out guys. Thanks to Eastman's for their support of the podcast. I sure appreciate it. And, um, Man, that's a wrap on the solo. Uh, got some good ones coming up, you guys. I'm I'm working hard and um, back to the grindstone here as I'm kind of wrapping up my hunts. But it, it's been a wild year, and um, man, my my um, my heart is full, my soul is full. Like uh, I feel like I've just had some wild adventures and covered some wild miles and seen some things through this eyes that that um, that not many guys have seen, you know, which is um, crazy cool. So. Uh, thanks so much, you guys. I really appreciate your support of the podcast and sharing it and the reviews. Uh, it really helps out so I can continue to, to bring you guys this content, share my journey with you. And, um, man, I, I, I don't, I don't know, uh, who enjoys it more, um, you guys or me, but, uh, I sure enjoy bringing it to you and having these conversations and sharing my journey. It's like, um, uh, there's so, so many years there where nobody was paying attention and it, 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 um, it definitely seems like, uh, guys are, are paying attention now and listening in and, and reading what I write. And, um, it's just been this uh, amazing journey for me. So anyways, thanks you guys. I really appreciate you. Uh, with that, I'll check in with you next week.